0: Welcome back to Dear Old State, the Athletic's Penn State podcast. It is our signing week podcast with no signing week to talk about, really. I am Matt Brown, College Football Editor for The Athletic, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. And Audrey, there may have been no recruits to sign with Penn State this week, but that does not mean it hasn't been a newsworthy few days for the Nittany Lions.
1: Yeah, you know, Matt, when you signed twenty-seven kids uh, back in December at the early signing period, there was no room left for Penn State, and so it was—they were not expected to sign anyone. They didn't sign anyone, and then it turned into a really crazy day in terms of news because the focal point is how does this roster get back to eighty-five scholarships? Right? We talked about it before. I've written about it before. Where they're at? Where I have them at? Numbers-wise. Um, and then James Franklin met with the media for the first time since the Cotton Bowl. They introduced their three newest hires, of course, offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka, offensive line coach Phil Troutwine, and new receivers coach Taylor Stubblefield. Met with them. We'll have plenty to talk about from my impressions of them, and you will let you guys hear from them on the show today. But then, Matt, as I'm leaving the media room... Got a little bit of news, some big news. Ricky Slade entered the transfer portal. We were able to confirm that he is in the portal. Um, yeah, Matt, let's let's kick it off there with that one, since that was the, uh, on a day when teams are celebrating their recruiting class, Ricky Slade enters the transfer portal, and Justin Shorter is officially introduced at Florida, and had I told you that a few years ago, you would have said I was an idiot, and that would never happen, but yeah, Mike Parsons was the headliner of that class, of course. Justin Shorter was the second most highly touted recruit of that group. Ricky Slade, three. Um, one's out. The other one's working on an exit plan.
0: Yeah, certainly strange. I mean, that was the class that, well, you know, James Franklin has upped the recruiting at Penn State, but that was mm-hmm. kind of the banner class of the James Franklin era. Number six nationally, number two in the Big Ten, three five stars. And, you know, one of those five stars is back and trying to mount like a defensive Heisman campaign while the others are already out. It's pretty crazy, uh, you know, it's not necessarily crazy based on the way things have gone. It's just, you know, to, to already see these guys after two years be on their way out, uh, pretty wild. But it's still, like, it's not like that recruiting class as a whole is, like, going to be a bust. You know, you look at Parsons, you look at Rasheed Walker, you look at Jason Owe, you look at P.J. Mustapher, uh, you look at Jahan Tremendous Dotson, at Frymouth. It's still a really, really impactful class. It's just that two five-stars are on their way out. But, you know, Shorter, more, I would say more impactful because at, right now we're wondering all offseason about what the receiving core is going to look like. Ricky Slade, it's surprising in one sense, not surprising in another. It's surprising based on what he told you in reporters in mm-hmm. December. But then two months later, I i don't think we should be stunned that maybe there was a change of heart. Maybe, you know, in the moment talking, he wasn't going to say, hey, I'm going to leave but right. then, when you think about kids it, kids lie all the months, time. Coaches lie all the time. But I don't even know this if it's is, a lie. I think it's just you yes. get away more removed from the season, kind of think about where you stand. Uh, I don't think it should surprise anybody that'd be looking around because we were all speculating about it. Then he kind of shot it down. But apparently, here we aren't. Are, we, we weren't and, the only
1: ones talking about it, Matt. Apparently, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think you're right. I mean, to say lie, I do agree with you. Kids change their mind all the time. Um, Where I think this gets really interesting, Matt, is the timing of it. And I say this because Penn State began winter workouts this past Monday, right? So we're recording this Thursday morning. So they're working out Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the afternoon as a team in Haluba Hall. So to me, it must have been, okay, now there's really a decision to make. Either you're with us or you're not with us. Because I'm thinking all along, I'm thinking, okay, If anybody's going to leave, they're going to wait and do it until after spring ball. That way you're still training with the team, you know, because when a guy goes in the transfer portal, Penn State, James Franklin's policy, as Lamont Wade found out last year, kind of as the guinea pig for this whole thing, you know, their locker's cleaned out. You're not considered part of the team. Therefore, you're not working out with the team. So right now, I'm assuming that Ricky Slade is still here on campus because classes started like four weeks ago. So I'm assuming that he's here on campus, but he's no longer considered part of the team. So to me, that says, okay, maybe he had a change of heart, like we just said. Certainly plausible. I mean, keep in mind, this kid was garnering interest since eighth grade. You know, we're not just talking about, okay, you know, it didn't work out here. Like These are business decisions, and he's been making business decisions since eighth grade. I get it. There's a lot at stake, no doubt about it. I also do wonder, um, with Kirk Shiraka getting hired, I'm sure there had to be a conversation that happened, whether that was initiated by Ricky, whether it was initiated by James Franklin, kind of in terms of where you stand on that depth chart. I know they tell the players about it um, at the conclusion of the season, typically in December ahead of the bowl game. I know they talk to them about it after the spring game. So maybe there was a conversation that happened there. I don't know, um, because to me the timing of this is, what makes it surprising, you go back to Tommy Stevens last year, uh, he waits until the end of spring ball to leave.
0: To be fair, um, though, I mean, there was a rush of transfer portal decisions in January, February last year. Like mm-hmm. That was the dominant storyline. Yep. And I'm like, looking back, we, we mentioned Lamont Wade. I feel like everybody else forgets Cam Sullivan Brown. Uh, yeah, who went in and came out. Yeah. <laughs> like almost a year ago, it was like February 10th, February 11th last year, he entered the transfer portal and then decided against it a couple weeks later. So... I mean, I I don't think this is that unusual in terms of what we've seen nationally or at Penn State even. I mean,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the
0: best decision, I don't know. But even yesterday, you know, we're we're recording this Thursday. On Wednesday, before Ricky Slade entered the portal, uh, Auburn running back Charvius Whitlow entered the portal. And Mm -hmm. he was Auburn's leading rusher last year. So that was uh, another kind of one that stood out. But you have two highly regarded running backs kind of at the start of workouts. I don't know. It's... Maybe and he's just- not
1: eligible for grad transfer. Let's get that's that out true. there, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the other part. To me, that's the other surprising thing when you look at all of this, the totality of it. Because we can say the timing, Matt, it surprises us because you've been here for a week, but you started workouts this past week. Or so you've been here for a month, workouts started. Okay, I get that. Um, we know where he's at on the depth chart. We've seen that play through. Um, we've seen and heard what he said about how he wants a degree from Penn State, all these sorts of things. How he loves the the running backs in that room and Jaywan Sider. Um, but to me, it's you look at it and okay, unless he gets a waiver, you're sitting out a year somewhere. So that to me is kind of the other part of this that I think is just is interesting. But you're right. I mean, it's also because he's a five star, former five star kid that people care. It's why more people cared about Justin Shorter when you look at it. Um, Lamont Wade was a highly touted guy, too, last year when yeah. he went in the portal. Now, I know the thought process is going gonna, is gonna to be there, and people say, well, what if Ricky Slade comes out of the portal? Penn State can choose to take him back. Um, there is nothing in my mind, Matt, that suggests they would not take him back. Um, I still think this is a better team with him on it. I wrote it Wednesday on The Athletic. Uh, and I say that because I think, especially his abilities as a pass catcher, Sharaka would find ways to utilize that this year. But again, in fairness to Ricky, I get it. You didn't come here to be a slot receiver. You're a running back. You've always been a running back. So totally understand it from that point too.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just, I think, you again, we're kind of like speculating. Ricky Slade hasn't spoken publicly about this. We just know his name is in the portal. So right. the reasoning, we don't know. And again, this came out right after all of the coaches were made available on Wednesday afternoon. Um, so it, it's, it's easy to see though, you know, we kind of, we know this pecking order, like journey Brown just had an unbelievable finish to the season and he's going to enter, he enters 2020 as the top returning back. But we also know that Noah Kane, when healthy was every bit as good as journey Brown, it feels like, and is right up there too. And, you know, had surpassed Ricky Slade despite being a freshman. And then we know that Devin Ford has shown flashes, and he's you know, going to be only a sophomore as well. And they signed two four-star running backs, including Kaziah Holmes, who was already on campus as well. So it's unfortunate to potentially lose Ricky Slade. We know he has shown flashes, even though last year clearly just did not go the way he wanted in any way. But Penn State has four blue-chip recruits on campus at running back, or not on campus yet. One of them still not here yet, but four blue chip recruits who are freshmen or sophomores and journey Brown, who's the best running back of the mall, at least looks like it. Uh, so you know, here's the funny really part with really that, good right? running. Yeah. He was the lowest recruited, even though he was a guy who rushed for 700 yards once in high school. Yeah. Um, and
1: so, you know, we're, we're talking yesterday in the media room and James Franklin talked with reporters for like 30, 40 minutes. Again, we hadn't heard from him since the cotton bowl. And there've been like a million things that have happened since then, of course. So, um. You know, I asked my question What I asked him, the press conference ends, he comes back in the room and says, you know, Audrey, I'm going to tell you this, since he didn't ask about the running backs today, uh, Journey Brown's going to be the starter for the blue white game. Now he didn't specify (laughs) what team, Matt. So anyway, so he's joking around about And he's probably going to get
0: one carry in the blue white game.
1: (laughs) Right. And so I'm joking, because I'm like, at this point, nothing has happened with Ricky Slade. So I was like, ah, hey, you know, didn't ask about the running backs today. There was no need today. Literally within 45 minutes, Ricky Slade <laughs> enters the transfer portal. And I was like, the one day I didn't ask you about it, Matt, I should have. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll continue to keep you updated with this. Um, if I can get a hold of Ricky Slade's parents, I'm certainly working on that. I've been working on that. Um, very curious why the timing, those sorts of things. But Matt, it's a business. Um, as we see, coaches change all the time. Kids can change their minds, can go elsewhere. Um, so we'll see what happens.
0: Uh, so we should also point out, so he's not the only Penn state player in the transfer portal. We have a couple others, Daniel Joseph, and also just coming out this week, reserve cornerback DJ Brown. So there are, I believe we're at three Penn state members in the transfer portal.
1: Yes. And no, um, yes. Ellison Jordan's also in there, um, which he's also brought a lawsuit against James Franklin this week in Penn state, a civil suit in which he plans to, um, represent himself so that's that's in there but jordan's seeking a grad transfer and i mean really wasn't with the team last year so i don't know how we categorize that and then right we weren't factoring uh, him into the numbers
0: of the team yeah right
1: and hunter kelly was awarded a scholarship last year seeking a grad transfer uh reserve center also not really something to factor in so yeah i I think three three is probably the right number man three
0: who we're assuming would be on the team next year who are now moving on potentially moving on yeah um all right so Beyond the transfer portal, there's also some other unexpected news in the past week that you know record, that came out after we recorded our podcast last week, and that is a fourth assistant coaching change. And it is one that I think Penn State feared for a while because he's an in-demand person, but it is uh, Sean Spencer, defensive line coach, leaving for the NFL and the New, York, New Giants. York Giants.
1: Yeah, and I think, Matt, you know, this is something that Spencer's had the opportunity to go before. I mean, he's been in contention If you go back, I wrote about it last Friday on The Athletic. Um, I went through, pulled up an interview I had, a sit-down with Spencer from a few years ago, and we were talking about his career trajectory and kind of his goals. And, you know, as he was here, I got the impression that the longer he was here, the more his goals kind of changed in a sense that, you know, at one point it was, okay, I want to be a defensive coordinator and I really want to be a head coach. You know, maybe he's a guy you see at a smaller type school. Maybe he's like a Villanova head coaching candidate type thing. Uh, but then the more he was in this role, players absolutely loved him, which, you know, you saw that on social media play out. You always heard it from recruits. They loved him, loved the energy, loved the, the way he developed players. Uh, but the longer he was here, the more it kind of shifted to like, I want to be the best defensive line coach in the country. And that's what he had told me um, in his office that day. So, you know, how does Penn State fill the role, Matt? And I don't think, and again, we've said that before, though, with Larry Johnson, you know, after, after he leaves and how, what do you do? Um, I just think in terms of the production, in terms of how beloved this guy was, you almost have to feel for whoever takes that job because they're stepping into a place where Spencer just became this Almost larger than life figure. I mean, where else, Matt? You know, do people recognize the defensive line coach as they did with this guy? I mean, it was—he'd be riding his motorcycle around town. He'd have chaos tattooed on his arm. I mean, it was really a special thing. The way you know he'd interact with just the general population, the students, uh, the way he interacted with Nittanyville. I mean, all these things. Uh, It's going to be a tough job, but undoubtedly James Franklin has his list. You have to see what he comes up with. But keep in mind, too, because I think whenever we talk about coaching changes, people always point to, well, oh, Penn State must not be paying these guys enough money. Um, That's not always the case. And I say this This because... This is an NFL opportunity here. Right. And I also say this because Sean Spencer had taken on additional duties seemingly every offseason he was here. And I also went back in the story I wrote for The Athletic last week and you know, there was a point a couple off seasons ago where Brent Pry gave up one of his coaching titles. So Sean Spencer would have it because with that title came more, you know, job security in terms of keeping Spencer at Penn state and came more money for Spencer. So it's not like this guy was only the defensive line coach, you know, he was defensive run game coordinator. Um, you know, he had some like associate head coaching titles and stuff here. So, um, you know, it's certainly a huge loss for Penn State. And once they fill that role, which James Franklin did say uh, Wednesday, that he doesn't expect this job will drag out long. So we'll see when they make a hire. They've already started the process of interviewing and stuff. Um, we'll see what happens, but absolutely huge shoes to fill.
0: Yeah. And it does seem like, you know, it is a situation where everybody is all, you know, it's very unfortunate for Penn State to lose him, but everybody seems to be happy that he got this opportunity. Like it's, It's a very uh, pleasant breakup, I would say, it seems like, in in the wake of all of this.
1: James Franklin said as much. He said, Sean kept him in the loop as this thing was developing. It wasn't like James Franklin was blindsided by this. Um, It also doesn't sound like the players were blindsided by it either. James Franklin made made a point to say this week that, you know, they always try. They want the players to hear from them first whenever there's a coaching change. But, I mean, things get leaked, Matt, you know. People leak things, agents leak things all the time. I mean, welcome to 2020. So I know when Ricky Ronnie left, Sean, uh, Sean Clifford learned through social media and said, you know, he sent a tweet to to Ricky Ronnie, DM'd him, and was like, is this true, or texted him. So, you know, it doesn't sound like players learned this way, but where you do feel is for somebody like Ashaka Tony, who comes back for a fifth year, you know, somebody who's recruited by Sean Spencer, loves Sean Spencer you know, he's starting winter workouts and then his coach is gone. I mean, that's, but that's the reality of this business. But I think it really was a testament to what players thought of Spencer when they all took the social media. I mean, we're talking both sides of the ball, Matt. I mean, you had backup quarterbacks, thanking Sean Spencer for his time here. Uh, so really a special, um, you know, a special tenure for him. But yeah, that, uh, one last hire, I think I, I, Hope or yeah, we should never say, say never at this point. Like, yeah, who, who one <laughs> I think last hire for James Franklin to make this offseason.
0: Well, so as we mentioned, of course, there was literally no recruiting news on signing day. You know, beyond a couple like walk-ons, but no new scholarship players added to the no. mix. Penn State's class, last I checked, was ranked 15th now nationally. Some others there was a little bit of movement on signing day because some other teams did actually have some news, uh, but Penn State looks like we will probably finish 15th. Although there's still some. Uncommitted names out there, uh, but and
1: Matt. Before we forget, before we forget, James Franklin still has not signed his contract. Yes, that's what I was going to get to. <laughs> okay.
0: So instead of that, okay. we had a press conference with James Franklin and then the three assistant coaches. So yeah, why don't you cover the James Franklin non news first?
1: <laughs> Sorry, Matt. There was so much news. I thought you were going to forget about it. Uh, yeah, James Franklin. Because this really was a stability move when you look at you know this 2020 recruiting class. James Franklin's new six year contract was announced in early December. Uh, ahead of the early signing period to give those players some reassurance that he was going to be here. So he was asked uh, on Wednesday, you know, why haven't the details been released yet? And he said that, you know, it's because of all the legal red tape and all these sorts of things that it's not like he's just signing a three-page paper, which I understand, um, but he said he has not signed the contract yet. So what what intrigues me with this Matt? Again, healthy dose of skepticism here. That's the job. Is why Sandy Barber said what she said ahead of the Cotton Bowl, which was that you know she expected early in the new year that the, the terms would be released. Well, now we're you know into February, and it hasn't happened. So James Franklin said he wouldn't say it was a holdup that anything happened, but also like why is why is it taking so long? Um, I think is is fascinating. I mean, I don't think this is, I've said this all along, it's no cause for concern, but I wondered things like, you know, how is he currently being compensated? Is it on the old contract that was still running because the new one hasn't been signed yet? Uh, all these sorts of things are going to have to get ironed out here shortly. So once we have the term sheet, Matt will certainly let you know. Um, you know, I wonder too, is it? Is it also the fact that there are two lawsuits going on right now? Does that have any bearing on this? I don't know um so just very curious why it hasn't happened yet but yeah i mean he's not going anywhere i mean he, you know he certainly plans to be here the the player is expecting him to be here all these kinds of things it's just eventually when people ask you know what's his buyout what are all these things um we do not know yet because it has not been signed
0: we're here looking forward to finding out just as everybody else is
1: <laughs> and we'll let you know as soon as we know
0: <laughs> Uh, so then as we mentioned, after kind of a long wait as well, this was the first time Franklin met with the media in a while. And also literally the first time that his three new assistants so far, we're waiting for a fourth, but the first three new assistants met with the Penn State media. So we're going to dive into that now here. So the first one, I guess we should start with is Kirk Sharaka the new offensive coordinator comes over from Minnesota. Uh, he was around the team at the Cotton Bowl, but this is the first time he's kind of, He's met with Penn State reporters. So, Audrey, why don't you set up what we're going to hear from Kirk Shiraki here?
1: Yeah, you know, this is a guy, as I'm sure people listening know, Pennsylvania native. And he told a story yesterday about how when he was a kid, his Pop Warner team went to a game at Beaver Stadium. And, like, it was such a thrill for him because he wanted to hear, like, the Nittany Lion roar. And he even gave us a really good roar sound. Um, He wanted to hear (laughs) the roar for himself, you know. And so he was really pumped. He was a little kid. But then he lost his ticket. Um, so he had to sneak in with his coach. So literally his first Penn state game in Beaver stadium, he snuck in, um, with his youth league football coach. So times have changed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping Sandy Barber doesn't try to ask him for some money back or, you know, if there's anything there, but, um, you know, to me, Matt, and I've said this all along, I, I think, I honestly think, and this is really difficult to do. This hire pleased so many people, and I still think this was like the best possible hire they could have made um, within reason because Joe Brady was not coming here. And let's you know, we knew how that was going to play out, but I just think you look at what he's been able to do with less talent, it absolutely made sense. Pennsylvania guy grew up as a Penn State fan. He even said, too, that you know, he was so hesitant about word getting out of this that. As he was going through the interview process, he and his wife didn't even tell their kids until it got like much later on in the process and didn't tell his parents because they were like really excited about this, really wanted to be here, wanted this to work out. Um, So, you know, the other thing is James Franklin made it very clear on Wednesday that they're not blowing up the offense. And I don't think anyone thought that was going to be the case, but just in case there was any lingering doubt, they're not blowing up what they've done. This is about blending the offense. It's about taking what Penn State did well under Joe Moorhead, under Ricky Ronnie, and blending it with what Kirk Shiraca did well with the RPOs, especially at Minnesota. So that's what this is that's how this whole thing's gonna have to work. Um, and it's also Shiraca said philosophically when he interviewed with James Franklin, he knew right away that they aligned and that they aligned well. So I'll take it away here, Matt, to Kirk Sharaka explaining why this job made sense to him.
2: When James actually offered me the job, there was no hesitancy at that point, right? Um, you know, I had thought about it for a while, um, and I was – he just met that criteria. I'm not one of those people that makes rash decisions. You know, we had had a lot of success at Minnesota. Um You know, so it wasn't uh, like the first phone call I'd ever gotten um, about possibly leaving there. Uh, So I had already had these type of conversations in my own head with my wife. um, And we knew exactly what we were looking for. And when he called, um, it was something that I had really strong interest in. And after we had some conversations together, uh, I knew that philosophically we were aligned. Because really it all starts there. Right. If philosophically you're not aligned with your head coach, um, it's just it's probably not going to work. Right. And I don't think that works any different than any other job. Right. With the people that you work with, you want to be aligned philosophically. So um, I knew that and com- having conversations with them. And then the, the thing about James was um we knew of each other, but we didn't know know each other. Before the Penn State-Minnesota game, we shook hands and said hello. And he said so-and-so said hello. said to make sure we said hi. And I said, yeah, so-and-so said to make sure I said hi. And we laughed. And then we walked and went our own separate ways. Um, but I, I have some people that knew him very well. And um, so I didn't have any questions about him as a person. Right. Um, For me, at my age, you know, I wanted to make sure that um, if I took another job that I was comfortable with who my boss was and how I was going to grow as a coach and that he was going to be a quality person and have the type of culture that I wanted. And so uh, as far as a football coach, right, I had watched James for a while, so I had seen him, I had seen his career go along. Um, You know, I'd watched him become a great receivers coach. Then I watched him earn his next opportunity from being a great receivers coach to have an opportunity to be a coordinator. I watched him be successful at that job. Then watched him get another coordinator job and be successful. And then he had a, because he's an East Coast guy too, so you're following each other's careers a little bit, even though you're not getting together for going out to dinner. right? Um, Then I watched him, what he did at Vanderbilt. So his track record, his actions had told me that he's a great football coach. Um, And then what he had done here, um, you know, how he had raised the level of the program and really had taken over a program that, you know, had a proud history, but there was a little bit of a drop-off there and has rebuilt it to, to the point where they're in the conversation for the college football playoffs now. So that part was easy.
0: And that was new Penn State offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka meeting with the media for the first time. So let's move on to the offensive line coach. Phil Troutwine comes in. This was the one change that was uh, prompted by James Franklin and Penn State, Mm -hmm. of course, in that Matt Limegrover, they moved on from him bringing in Troutwine most recently at Boston College, working under Steve Adazio. What are our impressions of Phil Troutwine, Audrey? I was
1: very impressed, Matt. Um, You know, James Franklin was asked why they parted ways with Matt Limegrover. Um, he didn't want to get into specifics of that, didn't expect that he would. You know, of course, he's not going not gonna to bash a guy publicly, um, you know, for someone who's been here as long as Limegrover was and, you know, tried to do his best with what he had and those sorts of things. So the thing that really impressed me with Troutwine is that, you know, you have a guy who, if you look at when James Franklin first got to Penn State, The thing with that coaching staff is they didn't really have many blue bloods in terms of like guys who went on and played at big schools. You know, James Franklin, very proud of the fact that he's a PSAT guy. You look at Sharaka's background now, you know, the same type of thing. But then Josh Gaddis originally was the one where it was like, okay, Gaddis, you know, went on to play in the NFL as they said had a cup of coffee in the NFL. But then you look at Trout Wine now, I think, with this staff, and this is somebody, New Jersey guy, who. Really, really wanted a Penn State offer as a kid and did not get one. Um, So Joe Paterno's staff was not recruiting him. But then he goes to Florida and just becomes this huge, big-time get, recruited by Ron Zook, plays for Urban Meyer. And ends up, you know, being a left tackle for two Florida teams that win national championships. So, unfortunately, Matt, I did not get to ask him if he still has any kind of relationship with Tim Tebow, because I'm sure that's what the people want well, to know. Everybody needs to know, obviously. Um, <laughs> but the thing with him is that you look at the way his career has progressed, and like this is—I almost think of him as like an offensive line guru at this point. Um, when you look at just the jobs he's been able to do. And so he's going to continue to recruit South Jersey, no doubt about that. Uh, also shares a high school alma mater with Penn Stater Adam Taliaferro, so there's an interesting little connection there. But the thing that struck me is when he met with the media on Wednesday, he was talking about fundamentals and how he's going to continue to drill this. And of course, with Penn State starting workouts this past Monday, he's been able to see the guys, all these sorts of things. And he said it so many times, Matt, that I asked him, like, okay, what specifically are you talking about fundamentally? Like, what needs to change here? What have you seen um, that you want to change? And then he went into great length on that. Um, And so I will let Phil Troutwine explain the techniques that he's trying to change, uh, in his own words, better than I can, of course.
3: I feel like, uh, you know, for an offensive lineman, you have to run off the ball, which means I think you need to gain ground. Mm -hmm. um, And then... You know, I use, um, it's called coal mechanics where I just shoot my hands before I actually kind of coa my hands on my first step to, to bring my second step with my hands and my legs because we always want to play on our legs in the run in the pass game because what i tell guys are do squat more do you bench more and usually hopefully they say squat more right so that's how we want to play we want to play on our legs because if you play in your upper body and you're not using the most powerful part of your body you know your legs and your core so using that's using that is huge now when you talk about the pass game you want to sit in your legs right you want to play in your legs but then you also want to be violent with your hands and uh you know punching keeping that separation and you see some of the best tackles on sunday they punch and they keep the separation and you know, I've been able to learn that through a lot of you know my NFL offensive line coaches and my coaches in college. But it always comes down to violent with your hands. and that was something that, over the last, you know, five years, I was able to learn from Coach Skarniecki from the mm-hmm. Patriots, you know, just being able to be violent and punch. And, you know, a lot of people want to talk about alternate hands or punching one hand and stuff like that. But Coach Garnettia says, listen, if you punch them and you get separation, you're going to win. So punching and, mm-hmm. and being violent with your hands is something that I truly believe in. you got about eight months until you need to... You know, make sure that the team has has all that down. How how or how hard it is to, to to make some of those transitions or some of those techniques? Um, it's for me, it's it's not that hard just because I've been through it. So I'm just trying to get a plan. Like I started on the run game on Monday. Today I'm going to do a little bit more of the run game and then start on the pass game. Um, but just getting them to believe in it is first thing. Like when they do it and they feel it. Um, you know, just watching them hit the sled and after you know I called them and said how do you feel like we. Just Feel more powerful. Like we just feel like we're using our legs, and we're able to you now drive through contact. So they're kind of, honestly, they're seeing it and feeling it. When they do, it's kind of like now they're gonna do the extra things, and they're gonna understand it. And I think that's already starting to happen. Just seeing them after the last uh, Monday, you know, I, we all walked on the field, and some of them stayed after to really work on it. Because like I gotta tell them, if we want to win the Joe Moore Award, that's our goal, which is the best line in the country then we have to be fundamentally sound and we have to be the best technicians on the field and and get
1: after them. So there you have it, Matt. Uh, Phil Troutwine relaying all that needs to change. Also saying that, hey, Penn State, that's the goal. The Joe Moore Award. They want to be the best offensive line in college football. Um, Baby steps sir, here. Baby steps. Hey, you know, the guy's <laughs> aiming big, and that's the thing that I think really has to excite you if you're playing for him. You know, if you're a Penn State fan is – I really was impressed by what he said. Um, Also, Matt found that absolutely hilarious to the point where I had to turn around because I was starting to laugh so hard when he said that as he was being recruited as a player, Troutwine said that, you know, Rutgers offered him and as a South Jersey guy, he did not know who they were. (laughs) He had never heard of them. And he said, you know, of course, it comes on later on. Greg Sciano right turns this Right before their
0: breakthrough, their turnaround. Yes,
1: so right before that. But, Matt, I was in stitches trying to compose <laughs> myself as he's talking about Rutgers um, not being uh, well-known then. So, and sets you know, up some
0: interesting recruiting battles because Greg Schiano is back at Rutgers now. Oh, it really trying does. Trying to do what he did 15 years ago at Rutgers.
1: And, you know, you look at it too, Matt, and so much of – these guys and the way recruiting is, and we're going to get into that with Taylor Stubblefield next too, but the way recruiting is, I mean, these guys have recruited players, you know, he's at Boston college, he's recruiting a lot of the same guys. Now, of course, you're probably getting a different response when you're at Boston college recruiting a kid as opposed to when you're at a Penn state. Um, But you know, there's always that familiarity because of the recruiting trail. So all three of these coaches, it's a matter of, you know, getting a crash course on, this roster watching film on their iPads while they're out recruiting. And then even as Sharaka said, like after spring ball, they'll then go back and look at the cutups from practice and figure out like, okay, what are these guys doing? Well, what are they not doing so well? And really then that's when they'll be able to better lay the groundwork for the summer and for fall camp. Um, but yeah, I, I think you have to be very excited about the offensive line hire as well. Um, and I will have a story Friday on the athletic for more from uh Phil Troutwine, and talking to the guy who recruited him, Ron Zook, uh, which also met former Packers special teams coordinator, Ron Zook. Very important to note. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so last but not least, uh, we met with Taylor Stubblefield this week as well, first time meeting the new receivers coach. I think there's one question
0: on everybody's mind here, which is, what's the deal? (laughs) What's the deal, man? Eastern Michigan, Illinois State, Central Michigan, New Mexico, Wake Forest, Utah Toronto Argonauts CFL Air Force Miami now Penn State that is all since 2007 Uh, I believe only three of those stops were multiple years and no more than two years Illinois State Utah
1: and Air Force so I think that's kind of the question everybody is asking of Taylor Stubblefield isn't it what I wanted to know Matt and maybe I'll ask it at a later date is like how do you get that good at moving Because he's got to be a pro, like you know. Typically, people move like they're military; they move all the time. They get really good at it. That's how my parents got really good at it. But um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to know. But I went in a different direction in the interest of our readers and listeners. And James Franklin made no bones about it. You know, he said as much this week that. They need more production from their receiving core. I mean, that's stating the obvious. You look at what's happened there the last two years. Now it's all about life without K.J. Hamler. Um, Taylor Stubblefield is going to have a lot of eyes on him here. And I think, Matt, the biggest piece, and I'll have a story on that as well, but the biggest piece to this to me is you're in a position that hasn't had a lot of stability in terms of production, but also in terms of coaches. If you think about some of these players, Go back, think about a Jahan Dotson, right? You come here, you know, you're recruited by Josh Gaddis. You get here, you get David Corley. Corley gets fired, you move on to Jared Parker. Jared Parker's here for a year. He moves on, becomes the offensive coordinator at West Virginia, now in comes Taylor Stubblefield, whose track record has been bouncing around. And if you're some of these players, Matt, I think it's it's natural to think like, okay, here we go again, you know? I mean, K.J. Hamler, I remember him telling me as much last year when he said, you know, yeah, I have trust issues because of all the bouncing around that's happened here. So totally reasonable, fair, and valid for some of these players to, you know, maybe have some of these these thoughts as I'm sure they probably do. But so the biggest thing that came up with Stubblefield, certainly something that I'd guarantee James Franklin asked him when he interviewed him was about stability. And will you be here for more than a year? Will you be here for more than two years? And to me, Matt, that's where Stubblefield said, you know, he understands that this is the question about him, that at this point in his career, he can't go jumping around jobs um, as much as he had. So, Here's Taylor Stubblefield um, on that exact question of, you know, how much jumping around is too much, um, and why he thinks this time around it's going to be different at Penn State.
4: I feel like I'm fairly aware of, of my abilities. I know that I am not ready for that for four or five years. I know that. So that's why when I sit here and say, yeah, I, I, I want to I be here for a long time, that. If somebody calls me next year and says, "Hey, we want you to be your offense coordinator," I'm going to tell them no. I, I, I know I'm going to tell them no because I know that there are still parts of of my development that I need to I need to learn. So, how does that self awareness help you from a coaching standpoint? Um, I guess to make sure that the highs are not too high and the lows are not too low, you know, uh, um, that tomorrow is still going to come. And whether, you know, we had 300 yards of of passing and our guys had 88 touchdowns, uh, tomorrow is still going to come, and we got to make sure that we get better every day.
1: And, Matt, before we close out the show here today, um, I just also want to let it be known that I did get to the very important question with Taylor Stubblefield. Not about moving boxes, but about the Miami belt buckle. (laughs) And the belt buckle that, of course, very important. He wears it. He's out there recruiting Parker Washington. Um, I said to him, I said, what did you do with the belt buckle? Just out of curiosity. And he laughed. And he said that uh, it's somewhere in a closet that um, the way he told the story, and again, I think this is, I think, a good example of somebody who's jumped around a lot. Um, you know, he wakes up, puts it on, goes out recruiting, isn't thinking twice about it, just an honest mistake in terms of getting dressed, going to work. But he said, you know, the whole day his jacket was zipped up. He is recruiting. He's talking to Parker Washington, getting to know him. He says it's time for the photo. He decides, oh, I'm going to like unzip my shirt. It's hot out, whatever. And then everybody sees the Miami belt buckle, Penn State fans, you know, kind of get on edge about it. But he took it all in stride. And I I think you could kind of start to get a sense of his personality yesterday, talking to him. And he said, you know, yeah, that's what makes college football. Great is that fans are going to get up in arms about things. He said, it was an honest mistake. It won't happen again. Um, he's since gotten new belts and he also showed off, a new Penn State belt buckle. He kind of lifted up his shirt and said, "Look, like I got it all taken care of." Um, so I thought that was uh, it was a gift from Penn State's equipment staff. They got him this belt buckle. So he said, "Perhaps the Miami belt buckle will return as like a white elephant gift in the coming years uh, for the coaching staff." But you know, this is as much as as much as we want to, and we'll always talk about football here, Matt. Keep in mind, you know, when you have as many staff changes as Penn State does, and, you know, you've got a fourth hire coming up at some point with a defensive line coach, this is a change for James Franklin, too. I mean, this is, he compared Sean Spencer, because, of course, Spencer, him and Pry had been together for so long, dating back to Vanderbilt. It's really like the end of an era in that regard. Uh, But he's like, you know, Spencer was their road dog. These guys are traveling the country together, coaching and recruiting. It's not just like, you know, you're walking into a nine to five job and seeing the same faces. So for Franklin now, it's a matter of getting to know these personalities, meshing these personalities, figuring out one of the things I remember him saying a few years ago with Joe Moorhead was like something as simple as like figuring out what time of the day did Moorhead work best? Like Moorhead was a night owl. James Franklin is an early riser. Like, how do you make that work? And so all of these behind-the-scenes things will continue to happen um, as they round out their staff. But, yeah, I think, uh, Matt, you know, so far so good with with what they've been able to do with this coaching staff. Uh, I'll certainly continue digging into it more on The Athletic. I have plenty more stories on this um, as we cruise into the offseason. As soon as they hire a defensive line coach, Uh, We will be all over that as well. If anyone else goes in the transfer portal, we'll see. Um, But, yeah, so much for a uh, quiet, nonchalant February signing day.
0: Exactly. There's always something happening. Uh, So, yeah, make sure to, if you do not subscribe to The Athletic, subscribe for all of our great college football content, all of our great national content, international content, Uh, but, of course, Audrey's Penn State coverage, which will keep going Uh, here on dear old state. We will be back in the near future, a little bit more, not as regular of a schedule in the off season, but spring practice is rapidly approaching. So we will be back fairly soon. Uh, Please rate review, subscribe to the podcast. If you're enjoying us and uh, yeah, thank you for listening to dear old state, subscribe to athletic read Audrey. We will be back soon to talk to you again.